0: That Naturopathic Podcast, (laughs) TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Dionisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. I'm here with Dr. Nick Centrido again. Nick, part two.
1: You brought me back, eh?
0: Yeah, yeah. They need you. They need to hear from you.
1: <laughs> they. <laughs> yeah. they is it? Okay. The
0: people. The peoples, okay. Yeah, and I need well, to I'll hear do from my you best too. for the
1: people. Okay. Well, I need to
0: hear from you, too, because it was great. <laughs> yeah, it and, was a good talk. Uh, and we didn't have enough time to touch on, I think, all, a lot of your areas of, of uh, wisdom and expertise. So, um, I mean, we talked a lot last time, I guess, about movement, pain, chiropractic in general. Um, but there's some other talking points that we'll get to today. And I, I I thought, um, I mean, we did some notes again before and and flexibility and mobility, um, was something I'm really interested in seeing what you have to say about, but if you, if you want to give us a little, uh, segue into
1: this, uh, in this next episode, uh, then, then do so now. Sure. I guess, uh, we can kind of start, uh, start with you referenced versus flexibility and mobility. And I think, uh, I think part of the reason I wanted to kind of do some of this and kind of talk to people who are interested in that, this kind of stuff is because there's like with the access to information, the way it is now, especially with like so many people getting stuff with social media, it's so easy to have like so much information thrown at you. And it's just like where a, where do you begin and b what's even true? Cause like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of buzzwords going around, you know, functional this and integrated that and like you know uh flexibility and mobility is one where i think is not necessarily misrepresented but like misinterpreted by people in general and people think that to be to be healthy they need to be flexible and to be flexible they need to stretch and that's not necessarily untrue but, to draw this distinction between the two, we're hopping right into it here, I guess, but well, this is good. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: I, I can I can just tell you from my sure. stiff, stiff experience of my life as a very, very stiff person. Uh, sure. I'm not flexible. and cool. um I remember going to I remember going to yoga and they're like, "Just do this." And I'm like, uh, I can't. Like I actually can't. and i I would get sure. like really, I'd feel. Right. <laughs> For sure. I, I feel it. And then, but then, man, like I also did a whole bunch of, like at the beginning of the pandemic, which seems like a friggin' dog's age ago. But anyway, yes. uh I was doing a, a bunch of yoga around that time. I don't know if it was overlapped with the beginning or it was the beginning, whatever, it doesn't matter. I was doing yoga fairly regularly, f- very low level, not yep. good at all, but doing it, which yep. is often better than, you know, like, you Not know, doing doing it once it. on the weekend or whatever, sure. I was like hitting it daily with a uh, beginner yoga yeah. and man, it made very little difference over the period of months. And yeah, I attributed it to my lack of flexibility, just
1: inherently talk sure. to me. What, what's wrong with <laughs> you? <Yeah. laughs> well, probably there's <laughs> nothing wrong with you, but I, I think sometimes the context in which, and now let me go on, on record as saying is like, yoga can definitely be a phenomenal way of improving one's, let's say, flexibility and mobility. But I, I like to break it up, flexibility and mobility into passive and active, right? Mm-hmm. So like when we're, te- when we're testing somebody's capabilities, is it flexibility more so is, if you lie down on this table or you you know sink down into the splits or something and you let gravity or some other force act upon you, how much pliability are there in the soft tissues and the joint capsules and the joint, you know, shapes and congruency, what kind of motion can be achieved just, you know, by somebody pulling on you or, you know, gravity acting on you. And yes. that's flexibility. So, so that like passive in- range of motion kind of thing. Yeah. Essentially. Similar the flexibility yeah. is more. So if you, if you make distinction between flexibility and mobility, flexibility would be the passive range of motion. What is available. And now again, right. if you, Uh, If you warm up and just get blood flowing, and get the tissues warm, immediately your flexibility will, it will change, it won't necessarily be that way the next time when you go to use it cold, let's say, so there's flexibility and it's important because if, if you do not have adequate flexibility to do something, you know, passively, if you can't get there actively, it's going to be hard to get there too. Right, you kind of need the space to work before you can actually go do work in there mobility is mobility is more towards what can I physically access and or can I do work in this space? So it's like, it's one thing if I can, you know, take somebody's leg or, you know, take somebody's, um, uh, you know, if they're on their back, take somebody's hip and put their, you know, thigh all the way to their chest, you could say, okay, well, in hip flexion, they have a lot of flexibility, you know, Mm -hmm. so the, the posterior tissues are not so tight that it, you know, uh, impairs that sort of movement, but Mm -hmm. in that person's life, does that really matter if they can't actually sit from a chair to standing and actually bear weight or bear load or do any sort of meaningful work Mm -hmm. within that range of motion? So it's like, it's basically like being able to, Oh, I can hit this 400 yard drive off a tee. Okay. Well, if you can't hit the hole you're playing on, does that drive really matter? So flexibility is important to have as a base but i would i would i would argue that more people will find more benefit in training their mobility so rather than somebody with let's say tight hips endlessly 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 stretching the stuff that feels tight and this kind of leads into another point we have um you know, and some people, if they do that, they'll notice a lot of change. And this is where we get into differences person to person. Some people find a lot of change in that. I would argue on average, more people are going to find more benefit moving some form of light weight or their own body weight into and out of the ranges they're trying to work on. So in that in that way, I found that more people are more likely to retain those range of motion changes Progressively and actually improve, rather than just stretch, stretch, stretch. I get really, really bendy for you know an hour, a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. and then that's it. And then they're just back to the way they were before. And they so I'm can't definitely not from like squatting on the toilet, right? And so part of that is like you just may not have strength in that range of motion because mm-hmm. you never load it. Mm-hmm. So you ne- you never ask the muscles to do anything in there. And one of the reasons, um, one of the reasons I would uh, I would strongly suggest people to start doing stuff like that is I've, I've definitely found in my, my patients that are, so let's take an example somebody with, let's say hamstring tightness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hamstrings and glutes are tight and you have to put it in the context of what is that person doing? So mm-hmm. let's take somebody who, you know, classic example, somebody sits at a desk all day. There may be admin, they're working behind a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sit all day and their hamstrings are tight. And very often, you know, they'll be like, I stretch him, I stretch him, I stretch him. And it, it doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. In some cases, that's the the tight feeling doesn't necessarily need more stretching. Because if you think about it, that person is sitting in 90 degrees of hip flexion or more when they're mm-hmm. sitting often. And part of their hamstring, particularly the upper bit, is being, it, it's under a tensile stretch like all day. It's being lengthened. So to then lean more and more into it, in some cases doesn't make sense. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those people will start having more success. If from that flexed position, they start using the extensors. So the things in the case that in this case are tight and starting to bear load back into extension. So sometimes tightness is just pay attention to this area. Something's not right. And I'll find very often the things that are chronically tight are ones that are desiring, usage their desire like they're desiring load to be put through them okay so very often and again you're saying the places though nick so
0: like say as as in um you know is it just some places because i'm i'm looking i'm just thinking about myself again because it's easier sure um i i'm stiff everywhere uh, sure. like like pretty much like global systemic everywhere stiff as opposed to like okay i have a couple spots that are probably bad
1: okay so are we talking, and I guess, you know, getting that over, um, you know, hearing somebody say that, we could go on to say, is it a feeling of stiffness or is it a lack of range of motion? Because a mm. lot of people will come in saying, I feel super stiff, I assess them, and they are a bendy straw. Like, right. there are tons of range of motion. And so right. in that case, their body is going... I want these tissues used, I may be searching stability, I'm perhaps lacking strength for the things I'm doing, and now I'm relying on the elastic potential of the joint capsules and the fascia surrounding the muscle and the tendons to support me and produce force, those repetitive you know, elastic rebounds and stretches and stretches and stretches, if they're not met by the active contractile potential, eventually your body's gonna go, I'm not sure this is sustainable, Uh, we gotta let this person know and it's going to just start reeling you in and trying to prevent that repetitive stretch, stretch, stretch. And so those are often the people that are going to go and stretch more and more and more and more. And in some cases actually aggravate the problem. And in Mm -hmm. some cases it'll feel good because you're, you're, you're playing with those receptors, but you're, you know, and you'll, you'll help the feeling of tightness in the moment, but then fail to address the reason why they're tight in the first place which is a lack of let's say often I don't want to say always a lack of competency in controlling load through those ranges right so what I would what I would encourage everybody to do and so let's let's take you for example let's say you know you have a hard time reaching up overhead you know like Mm -hmm. you know stiff in the shoulders or stiff um you know kind of under the armpit or you know you have a hard time um you know hard time sinking into a squat for whatever reason um to do some targeting stretching so targeted stretching before to start to open things up because i'm sure in those sessions you know you were probably at the end of it a little bit looser than you were at the start i would hope
0: i would hope yeah yeah sure like i just felt like i wasn't getting the the juice
1: you know from the squeeze kind of thing yeah and that's fair um Sometimes the key to that would then be let's say I let's say I'm somebody who's globally stiff and I want to build, you know, range of motion my hips, my shoulders, or you know, wherever, wherever you want. Or just globally, you would do a bunch of different places. To have some targeted stretching to start is not a bad way to go, but typically within the same session, I would want to see people then bear load through that range uh-huh. of motion. So let's take, for example, um, you know, hamstrings, how many people have tight hamstrings, like half the room's hands going to go up probably. Okay. So let's say you then go and, you know, you'll sit into a hamstring stretch, stretch a little bit, you know, maybe you do the straight leg and tip over a little bit. You'll feel it in the upper ham or the, uh, the lower hamstring or mid substance maybe. And if you do kind of more of a lunge and drop your hips down, maybe you'll feel it more upper. If you sit into that and you breathe into that and you relax into it, like, unless there is something like. Um, you know, unless you have some sort of, um, some sort of difference in your body where like the collagen is different and, you know, barring some genetic something, your physiology is typically going to relax and you're going to gain range of motion into whatever range you're stretching into. Then the key is after you've opened it up a little bit, now we're doing now we're doing some sort of work where we're actively controlling ourselves through that. And in doing so, we're plotting all of these little active points in our nervous system going, oh, I didn't know I could work there. Now I have mm-hmm. access to it because if we never exist in a position, we can stretch and stretch and stretch into it. If I'm stretching, if I'm not exerting force, all of the um, all of the sensory information, all the neural information is going from outside in and up to my brain trying to affect my nervous system and that's that's what happens with any kind of manual treatment you know whether it's an adjustment or soft tissue or acupuncture is I'm doing something to the person to interact with their physiology their nervous system what have you and get a short term almost always is going to be a short term benefit so Mm -hmm. now that we've opened up that window of opportunity now it's time for us to Actually go and dust out all those little corners and reaffirm to our nervous system that, hey, I can produce force here, I can do work here, I'm safe here, and then it's going to start removing that emergency brake, why we can't get into it in the first place. And so even more so, how do you improve your ability to stretch in the first place? And this is kind of goes into my like, what is in a warm up? like mm-hmm. if if we <laughs> you have any questions on like where i'm going with this or you want me to go right into that
0: no like are you are you have you fully fleshed out then what you're trying to say with flexibility
1: versus motility or sorry uh, mobility <laughs> you, you got gut on the brain don't you yeah that's true yeah <laughs> um i think i'm getting there so like um so let's say after you let's say you stretch you spend a little bit of time stretching your hamstring or you know i could foam roll my hamstring or something something to give some sort of input to my body to allow for a little bit better range of motion. Now I'm going to go into that range that I just stretched into. And now let's say for a hamstring, maybe I'm doing, uh, maybe I'm doing a deeper, like a lunge or a deep lunge where I'm getting into deep hip flexion or Mm -hmm. I'm doing um, a hinge. So like a deadlift movement or something where we're lengthening the hamstrings, but we're not passively lengthening them. I'm lowering load, even if it's Mm -hmm. just a light one, even Mm -hmm. just 20 pounds, something that's enough to feel Mm -hmm. and it's enough to, um, stimulate it's enough, those mechanical mechanoreceptors receptors a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people are intimidated by, um, they're intimidated by moving weight around either because a, they have to, they feel like they have to go really heavy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or B, they feel like they're not strong enough yet. And I would mm-hmm. argue that many people are more capable than they think they are. Mm-hmm. And we get so used to moving our own bodies around cause we're, we're carrying around 24 seven that sometimes our own weight and our own load doesn't really register as feedback. And so often teaching somebody or encouraging somebody into a position or into the depth of a stretch, they will get better feedback and they will be able better to actually engage their musculature into the movement. If they have some little tasks, so some little weight to provide them feedback. Mm -hmm. which is why I also like if I'm teaching people a movement, let's say teaching people a hip hinge or a deadlift. Again, it's effective in the gym, but like, you know, for somebody who's doing manual labor and they're lifting heavy things or gardening to know how to hip hinge is a really powerful tool, you know? And it's not to say that if you round your back while lifting, you're going to hurt yourself because you won't, you're just not, you're not using all of the things that you have to get that job done. And so Mm -hmm. you're going to rely on fewer things to get the job done and then when you get tired or when you encounter something heavier, or awkward, or when you get dehydrated, there's less buffer zone. There's, there's more, there's less, um, you know, there's more room for, sorry, less room for error. Yeah. If you know. get a little more resilience and, and yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so becoming resilient in the ranges of motion we're trying to gain will allow our body to then move through it and do work through it because it is resilient and capable. And until we expose ourselves to that nerve, it's novel to the nervous system. So if it doesn't feel safe doing something, why would it let you? Why would it let you go there? Because ultimately, our, for the most part, our range of motion and our strength is always modulated and capped by our nervous system, which is why in times of intense stress, you will be able to do, you know, if if you fall and you do something strange, you know, and you come down hard, your joint is going to have more movement than what you could than what you could do on your own because it always leaves a little bit at the end for a buffer zone, if you will, or, you know, you'll be able to lift something more if you're under incredible stress. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. fighting for your life or you're running for your life, you're probably going to run the fastest 10 seconds you've ever run. Mm -hmm. Right. So why can't you just do that for whatever reason? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it's going to be that nervous system, just kind of keeping us a little bit in the safe zone because way over on that red line, or that red zone at the end of strength or speed or range of motion, that's where we start losing the buffer zone between mm-hmm. uh, you know, safety and injury, let's say.
0: Okay. And how, how much of this has to do with uh, blood flow?
1: You know what? I'm not sure I would be the right person to speak to that. What I do know is let's say tension. I'm only, ten- I'm
0: only pulling you into that one. Cause of what you said with, uh, at the beginning, I think you said, once you increase the blood flow with doing some stretches or whatever, you might be able to stretch a little more. And oh. you were right. Even with me, stiff, stiff old man here, I was Pat. able by the end to move a little
1: better. Sure. So, so I was just going on the case of, um, uh, I was just going on the case of like when we're, when I'm cold, if I've just been sitting here all day I, or, you know, I, I get up out of bed, you know, I'm not going to be my most mobile there. That's when like, you know, mm-hmm. some people looking down at their toes, they'll feel like a tingle down their spine. You know, I've been in one spot for a long time. My body has been able to kind of settle there. And as we kind of wake up and everything just starts getting going, you know, blood will be sent to muscles that are active. The temperature will warm up and things typically get more pliable when they're warm. So, which is why, you know, I would never tell somebody to do like, very rarely would I ever suggest somebody's like wake up and immediately do stretches. It's like, no, no, no. Wake up, move around for 10 minutes, put your coffee right. on, let your dogs out, take out the garbage, then go do something. Right. But even before that, this is where I um, kind of diverge into like what's in a warm up or like how to optimize, let's say a mobility session. If that's somebody's goals is step one is get warm. It doesn't really matter how. So like it could be a sauna It could be, you know, a walk, it could be a jog, it could be a a rower, an erg, whatever. It's just get the the temperature up. And immediately, you know, there's more blood flowing to all the tissues. The tissues get more blood in them. They heat up immediately without doing any stretching. You're going to be more pliable. Okay. Even if just by a little bit, that's when, you know, and we'll use this in the gym, but we'll also use this for patients as well. You know, so the same, order in which you would do things to let's say warm up for a squat or a squat session is the same process. I would get somebody to warm up before doing the rehab exercises. First step is just get warm. Mm
0: -hmm. Step
1: two is going to be, if there are any uh, flexibility or range of motion issues, that's when you address them. So let's say we'll contrast gym to rehab or gym to yoga or gym to just mobility stretching is let's say squat, very often it's gonna be ankles and or it's gonna be hips that are limited, you know, limiting your depth and range of motion. So if you know you have a, you know, my left ankle is not as mobile as my right, that's when after I'm warm, I do some stretches. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, maybe I will lean into, you know, a stretch where I'm going knee over toe, I'm stretching my calf and I'm also mobilizing the joint to hopefully make the movement I'm about to do as good, as deep, as smooth as possible, okay? now that we've opened up that range, now we want to start using the machinery through that range. So, you know, we're not just gonna stretch and immediately go to lifting weight, is we're gonna stretch into that range and now I'm gonna do maybe a walking lunge or I'm gonna do uh, with lightweight, a lunge over that toe. So now with added weight, now I'm maybe pushing that range a little bit more, but I'm Mm -hmm. also resisting that weight moving it back. So we've opened up the range, we're, we're getting that segment and those muscles to do work all the way through that range to prepare not only the tissues, people are so obsessed about the muscle, not just the muscle, but the nervous system is now ready to bear load and do work at all those different points. And so if you contrast that to rehab, you know, if very few, very few conditions are I'm sending people home with, Oh, just stretch this a whole bunch. It's usually Mm -hmm. stretch it, move it and then load it through that same range that we're working on and stretch of, it, move it. Yeah. It. So okay. for the most part, it's, um, you know, the same way I, I will layer treatment in a treatment room is passive first active yeah. second resisted third. So in the passive treatment, in this case, the stretching, you know, but it could be acupuncture. It could be an adjustment passive is, Hey, let's see if I can do something to make this person or myself yeah. as good, as pliable, as pain-free, as smooth as possible today, immediately right now or like in the media sea of today. Second is, hey, look at all of, you know, ideally if you do a good set, you know, if you you diagnose it right and you choose an appropriate treatment and you render a good treatment, hopefully you're gonna see some sort of benefit short-term. Maybe, you know, that ankle flexion has improved by, you know, five degrees or 10 degrees, things are moving better, awesome. Step two, now active. Now I want that person, all of that room that we just created, Okay. Now we're going to move through it with light load or with no load whatsoever. So let's say, you know um, let's say I'm working on somebody's back and I, you know, we deem that it's appropriate to um, you know, we're going to adjust their T-spine because they're stiff there into extension. We're going to adjust the T-spine all of a sudden, Hey, that feels a lot better. I feel smoother. I'm not feeling that pinch. Okay. Awesome. Now I want you, we're going to go hands and knees, or we're going to go on a wall and now you're going to go, Um, you know, you're going to reach your arm under your other arm. We're going to rotate into a position that you had difficulty getting into. We're going to hang out there for a breath. Okay. So we're going to swell. We're going to, we're going to increase that stretch. You know, um, we're going to, we're going to stay there for a second. That breathing is kind of reaffirming that, Hey, I'm safe here. I'm good here. And then exhale as we go. So now we're actively moving through that range. We're not just hanging out there stretching, or we're not just having somebody beat on our backs for an hour. And then a lot of the time I'm getting somebody to, with a band or with a lightweight, we're doing some sort of activity where now I'm using those muscles through that range, but I'm doing work and Mm. I'm I'm moving something more than myself. Cause you know, if, if we want to be independent and functional, typically bodies are that are independent or functional, they're, they're doing work, you know, and you could look at the younger end of things and you could say, okay, sports and weightlifting and, you know, building stuff, but you could also look on the other end of that and be like, okay, well, you know, that's, um, you know, that's the difference between, let's say, um, an older woman or older man, like being able to carry the laundry, you know, mm-hmm. up the stairs, Yeah. you know, and that's a big deal when you get down to that. Yeah. So, so having, having the strength, having not only the the range of motion to do work, but the strength to actually do work within the range of motion would be what mobility adds to simply just flexibility okay i want cool. I want to go
0: back to another thing uh, that you talked about with uh, mm-hmm. uh, stiffness being a sign maybe that the body wants to move that or wants to engage maybe it's, maybe that's more precise wants to engage that tissue sure what about comparing that to the idea of it being a protective thing there is is there an idea where there's the the stiffness or lack of flexibility if you will is a kind of protective thing at all
1: absolutely uh, and you'll see that a lot in um so let's let's go uh kind of Cairo nishi here and let's go like um, let's go somebody's in like a like a motor vehicle accident, you know, and they they end up with what, you know, what would, would have been termed the whiplash style injury, you know. So uh, sprain or strain of uh joints um and or soft tissues of the neck. Okay. So like mm-hmm. a strain would be more muscular, more tendinous, and a sprain would be ligamentous and or joint capsule. Um mm-hmm. a lot of the time people are gonna show up and they're gonna be like, my neck, my neck is so stiff. Mm-hmm. why would it be so stiff if it just got wrenched like re- you know like you sprain your neck there was too much movement or the movement was mm-hmm. too intense so that um that reactive tightness is no longer um oh my joints and my soft tissues are not long enough they need to be stretched like you're probably not going to aggressively stretch somebody's neck who just had a whiplash injury
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: i'm usually and and there are some cases where yes you can and you can do it safely particularly after like that acute injury kind of calms down a little bit but a lot of the time some of those muscles you can get um, the exact same if not even better results simply applying pressure with a finger and we're 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 still interacting with the same receptors for the most part might be named different but they're kind of behaving the same way is Mm -hmm. again i'm giving an input to them those receptors are picking it up and they're decreasing the tension around that not because i'm stretching it and they're not tight because they need to be stretched they're tight because they're going oh my goodness this person's head almost fell off we must protect and so then when let's say you have a person who is now fearful of that because they had this injury and they're told to be in a a stiff collar for weeks and weeks and weeks, there are definitely times where you would want to do that, but the vast majority of cases, you're not going to put somebody in a stiff collar because it reaffirms this. Don't move. Okay. I'm, my head's going to fall off, you know, and that's a good way to have a stick stiff neck for a long, long time. Or, you know, well, somebody... are you going to
0: be aligned with this sort of um, uh, the sort of conventional approach where like the orthopedic, the sort of convent, yeah, the conventional sort of orthopedic approach when you say something like that, or is this
1: where you um, might sort of differ from a, sort of convention? No, no. Like my, and I mean, I, I'm, there may be an ortho out there that disagrees with me, but I, I feel like, like, let's say like an orthopedic surgeon, let's go, you know, top the to top by means of like, let's say like surgical structural intervention. Mm-hmm. If it is a, if it is a non-structural injury for the most parts, you know, so there's no dislocation, there's no fracture, you know, it's soft tissue stuff in some cases, you know, like a, a firm collar for a couple of days to allow somebody to get their, you know, their feet under them, for lack of a better term, is not a terrible mm-hmm. idea. But mm-hmm. any good ortho is going to be like, you want to be out of that soon. Right. You want to start experiencing movement in a controlled scenario. And again, I'm, don't go out and just be like, I'm going to take my collar off because this guy said so is like, it must be within the context of the person. So I'm, I'm right. working, I'm working with a person currently who had like a fracture of her neck after, you know, falling out of a, like a, an ATV. And there was like, you know, that is absolutely the time that you're going to be for in sure. a rigid collar and for a while. Right. Okay. But again, now she, now the, the, the bone has healed and now we get to treat it more similarly to somebody where it was now a soft tissue injury. So, that tightness is going to be there because it's, you know, your nervous system is not sure if these movements are safe, but structurally, if the bone is there, like we're pretty resilient. Like it, you yeah. can't just, you know, we're built of pretty tough stuff. So, you know, we're going to move and we're going to experience tightness. A lot of that tightness, again, under care of somebody who knows what they're talking about is a warning. Not, um, you know, it's not an indication of damage or danger. It's a warning of, I'm not sure if this is safe. Right. And so if we start, you know, gradually experiencing, experiencing these positions and breathing into them and starting to, you know, um, create a little bit of force, maybe we're pushing against a hand or pushing against a band. Often I'll have somebody on their back. Um, I'll get them to push into my hand and we'll go through different ranges of motion. Okay. We're not stretching into them. I'm actually getting them to push into it. And a lot of the times it's going to feel better when they start engaging the muscle rather than just trying to rip it apart. And so now we're, we're giving, you know, the neck, these segments that the body is deemed is, you know, in danger, and it's trying to lock it down and protect it, we start reintroducing work and responsibility. And yes, we make things, quote unquote, stronger again. But a lot of those quote unquote, strengthening exercises are, I would almost argue, it's not that we're getting stronger, because it's not like you lost muscle tissue, for the most part, if you don't have you know, a lot of times you can have a sprain and you haven't ruptured anything. You know, you don't have loss of muscle tissue. A lot of that weakness that may come is like your nervous system just kind of down-regulating what you have access to. The same way if you get a charley horse, you can't stand on it for like two, three minutes. because It's like Mm -hmm. paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, you know, it's not because you've destroyed your leg. It's because like, you know, stuff's kind of gone haywire and it doesn't know what's safe and what's not safe and so you start the money sometimes wrong
0: then with with this sort of like uh uh saying you can't do that like it's not safe to do that is it sometimes i i guess context remember yeah remember i'm i'm much I, I don't understand this as much as well, or as sorry, well as you do. Sorry so, if I'm rambling here. No, it's good. No, this is why I get people on who are smarter <laughs> than me in other areas. It's great. No, but I, what I'm trying to understand is, are you kind of saying, like, I, I try to simplify something sometimes sure. and, you know, there's danger with simplifying too much, but is is what you're talking about a kind of like, there are situations where you're going to have to retrain your own nervous system to, with the guidance yeah. of somebody who knows what the hell they're yeah. doing, like the movement doc. Um, like you have to, you have to be like guided through this. Yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's take that same person who had had that, let's say whiplash injury or actually, you know what, let's, uh, yeah, let's take that same person who's had that whiplash injury. Um, and let's say they were told, you know, you have the initial sprain strain and, you know, there might be a little bit of, you know, I don't like say muscle tearing, muscle tearing sounds too, uh too extreme but you have a a, some form of a strain you know maybe like a grade two where it's like okay there is a little bit of damage there you know and it's Mm going to take physically structurally that muscle might take six weeks to fully reheal you know it might take a month Mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere in around like you know three weeks to six weeks depending on the severity if that person just sits there okay the tissue will you know for the most part the tissue will heal um if work is not done okay you will have that person who's not you know they've been scared to move their neck they've been fearful, fearful to move their neck and they maybe haven't done anything with it let's say they now go 3 4 months and they they still maybe they didn't follow up with their physio or they didn't follow up with their chiro um or they just didn't get the you know the the appropriate v- advice mm-hmm. 6 months later a year later they could have terrible neck stiffness why you know, the, the structure will have healed at that point. And in some cases, it is this, yes, nervous system apprehension, but also like conscious and or subconscious apprehension mm-hmm. that kind of just feeds this danger, you know, this danger emergency signal that's going to lock you down in certain positions. And in that mm-hmm. case, the stiffness is, it's not representative of what is going on in the tissue at that time. So that that's a great like, it's a great kind of um, example of how that nervous system can kind of call the shots, even Mm -hmm. though the physical structure is fine. Mm -hmm. So the same thing, we'll see people getting an ankle sprain, which most of the time shouldn't be terribly complicated. And I've had people come to me where it's like, uh, I had this ankle sprain, like, you know, 15 years ago, I was put in a boot for, you know, a month, And again, sometimes short-term of boot can be helpful. Um, Other times I would would even recommend almost a single crutch over a boot because a boot locks you down. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, what you want to do with a segment that has been injured within reason is start moving the thing. Because the sooner you, you know, if you injure something and then you tell it to not move, you're going to get really good at doing what you do a lot of, which is kind of the beauty of the human body is like anything that you spend time doing your body will adapt to, to and the converse true. the converse is yeah. true too. Like 100%. if you don't,
0: if you don't use something, the body goes, well, screw it. Like,
1: yeah, for sure. And yeah, like if you get really good at never moving, you're going to get <laughs> your body will get very good at not moving. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one of my recommendations for people who just set, let's say have global stiffness without anything specific is just before you move a specific way, just move frequently. So Mm -hmm. instead of having that desk worker, um, you know, at the end of their busy day, uh, do an hour of stretching, I'm going to talk to that person about, actually, you know what, let's set a timer on your phone for every 40 minutes, and Mm -hmm. you're just going to get up and even just move around.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a
1: great start. And Mm -hmm. if they're into it, then it's like, okay, maybe we can, we can incorporate some stretches that are a little bit more specific to your needs. Right. And at the end of the day, you got to read the room. Cause some people are be like, ah, to hell with it. I'm not doing that stretch. And it's like, okay, fine. Let, let's, let's make it a, a two minute walk around the office. You don't have to, you know, do anything specific. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so when, when does someone move in, move into the, the arena of, of Minips? and cause, cause we had in our, uh, in our little sure. uh, notes here, we want to talk about Minips and like safety of them and sort of what they're, okay. they may intended to do. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, like, where would it be appropriate? Yeah. when Okay, so, I mean, you obviously, I think people like you and me follow sort of, like, uh, little algorithms in your mind that you maybe don't sure. write them all down. Right. So, the first <laughs> thing is you're getting everyone to move, and that totally sure. makes sense. And e- even there's, like, some real logic to what you're saying with, like, you know, first passive and then, you know, move with no weight and then move with weight. Like, it, there yeah. there's some hierarchy uh, that makes a lot of sense there so when when do we move into like okay you got to move person and then when do they move to you know what i think you actually need like some sort of manipulation or or whatever
1: um so again a a manip is or spinal adjustment is a form of passive treatment so you know like some if somebody let's be real a lot of people are going to come to me because my back hurts okay cool so where where does an adjustment fit into the my back hurts person um again it is a way of releasing tension not just structural tension releasing tension in in this case spinal segments we can adjust hips and fingers and wrists and all kinds of stuff for the most part um you know the bread and butter is going to be spine so neck Mm -hmm. t-spine lumbar spine um Again, stiffness can be there for multiple reasons. It could be because, yeah, you know what? That person doesn't use that range of motion a whole lot. Or they could be really, really bendy and they're just hanging off of their passive tissues all the time. The passive tissues don't like the prolonged stretch and the nervous system tightens everything up. Regardless, you could use an adjustment to, again, we are physically gapping the space, but it's also the speed at which it's applied is enough to kind of flip those mechanoreceptors, okay, those receptors for stretch that are in the, you know, the muscle tissue, the, you know, the tendons, ligaments, joint capsules. And it almost spikes that information. And then you get this kind of reflex of um, localized and in some cases, segmental calming or relaxation of that. So we're not pushing very far. So it's, it's a very small, small push. So even somebody who isn't necessarily physically you know restricted even somebody who's bendy if it's done properly you're not going to hurt this person you know like the unless they had some sort of connective tissue disorder which again i'm, I'm you should be screening for and your practitioner should be screening for and asking you because if you if you have like a congenital hypermobility and you don't produce collagen properly so let's take like an ellers danlos for anybody listening you know mm-hmm. that's maybe not a person that i'm going to be could you adjust them certain people i'm sure you could it's usually not going to be the first thing I'm going to go to because at that point, maybe the risk starts to, um, outrun the reward in that case. But let's say, you know, otherwise generally healthy person, no bone density issues, you know, no indication of, uh, you know, recent trauma that would be dangerous. What about rheumatoid arthritis or something like that? Yeah. Or rheumatoid arthritis. And again, you could adjust somebody's like, um, let's say like T spine L spine with rheumatoid arthritis, but you're not going to do a C spine. Because then you're, you know, there's your transverse ligament across the dens, big no, no. So that's not redoing. How much of that um, is,
0: how much of that is like, because I, I worry about this kind of information that gets out there. And I wonder how much of it is like inflammatory from uh, kind of a conventional medicine perspective where like they found one person out of like 1 trillion, <laughs> 1 trillion appointments. Yeah. One person
1: had this happen. Like how much yeah. do you think is that hyperbole or, or, um, to, to that specific case, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh I wouldn't be able to tell you the numbers. Um, If I was, if, you know, if I was a bet again, there, there are many ways in which we could help somebody. Let's say somebody with rheumatoid arthritis, um, you know, if they came, said, I have neck pain, there are many things that we could do with them that don't involve an adjustment mm-hmm. that I would likely want to try first before doing that. Um, gotcha it is a contraindication. So legally I, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, you know, I would be, I'd be surprised if there was no other way to possibly help that person other than an adjustment. Could you, you know, hypothetically, could you do it to somebody and have them not adverse re- react? I'm sure you could. Um, but it's, it's probably not worth it. Cause you know, yeah. all you need is that one time. It's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. I just ask cause I've, I've seen some like, uh, warnings on natural health products and stuff and then i look up i, I go and look up the right. source i know the source of the warning it's like one person like if you look at probiotics or something about like do not use if you've got like aids or or something like uh some like thing sure. that i was like wow that's that's very interesting so i went and looked it up it's like one person got it and it was like it wasn't even definitively causative. Right. it was yeah. <laughs> so now you got this right. warning yeah
1: on every bottle of probiotics, right? Well, so it's like, you know, it's like any like public land or like a privately owned land and there's a cliff there. All you need is one person to accidentally fall off that cliff. And now there has to be a sign there, you know, even though one person fell. So I get why it's there. Um, you know, it's the same way when people talk about the risk of like, um, let's say manipulation of the neck. So an adjustment of the neck, you know, and there's, you know, talk of risk of stroke from like vertebral arterial dissection. Um, And it's like, has that happened in the, in the past? I'm sure it has. Um, There's a lot more, let's say evidence of association rather than causation with this. So, you know, if done properly, you know, and again, we're not, we're not taking any sort of treatment and going, okay, this, you know, treatment is applicable to everybody with neck pain. So we're going to screen out the people who perhaps would, you know, I, I want to know who are the, ad, the people who would maybe not respond well to, let's say, you know, in this case, a neck adjustment, um, you know, people with um, hypermobility, somebody who's had a recent like significant trauma um, uh, or somebody who's like has weird cardiovascular things or, you know, um, let's take, for example, uh, somebody who comes into me and they're, I'm, I'm dizzy, I have a headache, my head's pounding all of these things. It's my job to make sure, okay, this person in front of me is not in the process of having a stroke, Mm -hmm. you know, and then seeking care, because they just think they have a headache or neck pain. So again, I'm sh- that has happened in the past where people will go to, again, not just their chiropractor, they'll maybe go to their medical doctor as well. They'll describe these symptoms, you know, maybe they're not screened properly, maybe they didn't ask them health history or, you know, do certain tests and that person either leaves, let's say, with a neck adjustment or, you know, here's some Tylenol or whatever, address the thing, and they go and have a stroke or an adverse, you know, reaction afterwards that case, it would have likely happened regardless. It just passed through that person. So rather than let's say causing it, you know, you did a, something you treated a person who was in the process of having it or was like the candidate for it. So they could have come in the door. I could have shaken their hands and see you later and something bad's going to happen. So, yeah,
0: exactly. That's kind of what I was right. getting at. Yeah.
1: Right. So I remember when it was presented to us, if we're talking about like C-spine or cervical manipulation for serious adverse reactions, the oh the the numbers were we were presented the numbers where it's so it was like one in over a million over a million doctor patient visit hours or something like in insanely low risk of serious adverse reaction yeah. to c-spine manip and if done properly a, you know a good c-spine manip you know people are talking about all the torque on the vertebral artery it's like there's more rotation in your neck when you check your blind spot you know yeah. over your shoulder than if we're properly tilting slightly rotating and giving a tiny tiny little push yeah. if it's done properly with care and it's you know um, it's used scrutinously and you're screening the people who likely wouldn't respond well. And you're trying to find the people who are most likely to have benefit. It's very, very safe. You know, there's yeah. always risk to everything technically, but it's very, very safe. Um, and yeah, if somebody is otherwise healthy and doesn't have any red flags, you probably don't need to worry about a serious adverse reaction from an adjustment, you know, same thing, like unless they have a bone density issue or something, you're, you know, you're not going to, you're typically not going to fracture somebody's vertebra. You know, there's, there's a lot of forces going through, you know, vertebra when we're walking, when we're, you know, jumping, when we're doing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not hitting people that hard with my hands. Like it's, it's not mm-hmm. happening. It should be comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's, there's some similarities with like, I don't want to do uh, visceral manipulation too much on someone who's say uh, early pregnancy or whatever, you <laughs> right? I'm yeah. not actually worried that it's, I'm going to terminate, uh. but no. I definitely don't want to be in the line of people yeah. that led, you know, right up to the end point. Okay. Yeah.
1: So because I, think you I, know, I get they, what you're saying. Right. So it's just, you know, you, you do right by the patient and choose what's right for them. And you also kind of are looking out for your own professional side of things and just making sure that, you know, what I what I do is appropriate and it's not necessarily overzealous given the context of that patient. And just, I, I have these conversations with people, you know, I've um, you know, I've spoken to somebody about, um, you know, they were coming in, they wanted their neck cracked. And I said, you know what, based on this, this, this reason, I don't think you're going to spawn terribly well with it. Let's try this first, see what it's like. Um, You know, and if, if it doesn't, if it fails to help you, then we can consider this and, you know, go figure a couple of weeks later, it's, Hey, those things you gave me really, really helped. So they didn't need yeah. it in the first place. Yeah. So back to our, back to our person, where does it fit in? Okay. So let's take, you know, let's take, um, you know, the, the adjustment is, um, you know, stimulus that I am providing to somebody to have hopefully a short term decrease in tension around a joint, um, you know, soreness pain again, it's not just local. It's kind of like can potentially affect all the little areas that are somewhat connected to it through the, the local nervous system in that case um and then usually again we're using some sort of movement or exercise within that context to um steer into what we're trying to do so let's say we're trying to help somebody with their rotation okay we're going to dose them with this adjustment and perhaps their rotation again it's not uncommon for their range of motion to improve significantly immediately after and maybe it's smoother and maybe it's more pain-free now we're going to get them now we're going to get them to um, actually start moving into the range. They could not get to, you know, either without pain or, um, um, or just because they felt stiff. And then there are certain, and so that's where it's like, we can use an adjustment and it'll probably be helpful and let's be real. It'll probably feel good. Like there are not many people who aren't going to feel, you know, at least just like physically better, you know when they work at a computer all day and then they get a T spine adjustment like it, it's it's going to feel good okay but mm-hmm. it's like do we come back for this little hit of feel good or do do we actually work away from it so that's where it's like if you come in and i just adjust you you know 3 times a week you probably feel good cuz you're constantly getting adjusted mm-hmm. but if i'm trying to help somebody improve their health it's like i want you to be able to hold on to those benefits so that's where You know, having a person change, let's say their habits on how long they're sitting for or what kind of movements they do or, hey, in the gym, if you're there already, let's try doing this stuff because it's just training and exercise, but it's going to be towards a specific goal. So that's where it fits in in kind of a it can be used. But in that case, you could probably get you like you probably don't have to do it. So you could have somebody, let's say they were a contraindication. Let's say they had um, crazy osteoporosis, you know, with the same symptoms. We probably am I'm probably not gonna go and like want to adjust them first thing because you know there's risk of fracturing a rib, they're thin mm-hmm. bones. You have somebody who doesn't have great density. Great, cool. I'm gonna use um either like soft tissue release on the muscles of the spine, or I'm gonna use a more conservative mobilization where maybe we're not thrusting to have a similar and in some cases the same effect on pain or movement without that dose. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's like there can be a discretion on the um like the manually applied treatment in that case whereas the uh the follow-up stuff is probably going to be similar and then you're going to get people where it's like they're a dead ringer for it so we kind of talked about people where it's like here's cases where maybe it's not applicable we just kind of talked about stuff where it's like yeah it's reasonable to use and some people it's going to help a ton some people will be like meh but you know at the end of the day it's fine and it's safe and then you got people that are like dead ringers where it's like yeah an adjustment is the thing that they're going to respond to and so i had a buddy of mine come uh not too long ago where like he woke up you know he he woke up one morning and literally could not turn his neck like felt stuck felt jammed anytime he turned his neck he was like you know five ten degrees to the right and he just you know piercing pain jammed stuck You know, we did, uh, you know, we did the assessment, I'm ruling out, you know, things that could potentially be bad. He was an otherwise healthy guy, you know, no health changes, you know, nothing that would indicate to me that, you know, we need to seek medical attention in this case. And so that case, you know, like we came down and we basically diagnosed it as like cervical, so neck facet syndrome. So the joints in the neck, you know, where one vertebra articulates with another, it's called a facet joint. The syndrome is that joint is unhappy and, you know, the associated soft tissue things around it. So the muscle tightness, sometimes the headache as a result of it, you know, the kind of piercing, catching pain moving towards it, the tightness when you're moving away from it, they behave very similarly, whether it's in like uh, in the neck or the T-spine or the L-spine where it's like, those are the ones where it's like, if you adjust that very often, you're going to gain an incredible amount of range of motion right off the bat. Often that sharp piercing pain will be gone. Um, you know, whether call it a spasm, call it a fixation. One thing that it is not is not out of place. Okay. I'm going to go on the record saying that there's, there's no evidence. And you know what? I won't say it's not out of place. I'm going to be the diplomatic one. I will say there is no evidence. There's no scientific evidence yet to say that, you know, people you know people's bones and joints go out of place and that adjustment puts them back in place okay so we'll go about and say that what i will say is you can have people get stuck you can definitely have people get stuck you can definitely have people feel sticky and in that case an adjustment can definitely help that joint movement and i will make the analogy to you know if you've ever changed a tire you know and you got this like really rusty lug nut and it's like you just can't you know using the tire and you just can't get it off it's not working you give it a little bit of a, you know a kick or a push now it'll move mm-hmm. and so those are the cases you know I, i've had a couple of them in the last uh, last couple of weeks where it's like you go and do it and you you know you do the adjustment you do it quick it's usually painless and immediately they'll get back up and realize that they're you know they're 80- just what the doctor ordered just there, just with the doctor. Ordered. And in that case it is. So, yeah. you know, it's like really, really powerful tool, like insanely powerful tool in some cases useful um, and otherwise not risky in many. And then in some, it's not going to be used and actually might make things worse. And so that's, mm. you know, my job as a doc in that case to use the, like the line of questioning in the history and that's another thing is like, if your practitioner is not taking time to talk to you, find another one because you, you'll pick up so much just talking to people. So like they've taken the time to talk to you, figure out what's going on. They've done some form of hands-on assessment or watching you move. We've determined that it's safe and reasonable. And above all else, I've communicated this to somebody. Like, I can't just decide and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Lie down. You know, like people need to feel safe. They need to know they have options. They need to know that like, I'm suggesting something. It's your choice to take this information decide if it's, you know, right for you, given this information. Um, you know, I'll always tell people like, I'm just suggesting what I think is a good idea based on this and based on my you know professional opinion. Um, but you're driving the bus here. We can do whatever you want and we won't do anything that you're not comfortable with. And it's important to, it's important for people to know that they have that option.
0: Yeah. You need and, different yeah. tools and need different them. tools work for different things. There's so many, there's so many analogies and uh, comparisons yes. between, uh you know when i talk to you and and a lot of other people who are skilled in different areas it's like i can i can say the same thing about homeopathy like i I gave someone a homeopathic today it was appropriate do i use them every day does everyone need one no (laughs) there's there's other (laughs) more uh more sort of grounded uh things that are more appropriate for other people at different times with different things so yeah um Anyway, you know, you know what, I'd I'd like to I'd like to end soon with sure. this and I, and I want you to I want you to go because this is sort of related to what it, it fits. It fits the sort of trajectory of our talk. And it was um, does Cairo have to be ongoing? And I think when we're when we're done with that, we'll we'll shut her down for today. But I really sure. think like your plan of management or uh, whatever is is really important because I think people have really different ideas of what different Kairos do. So tell me, does Kairos have
1: to be ongoing? In short, no, it does not. Can it be? Absolutely. And so I'll try and derive a sanction. So let's say, you know, let's say um, somebody has a very, you know, physically demanding job, you know, they're otherwise healthy. um, You know, they're not dying. They don't have any injuries, but you know, they feel tight at the end of a week or, you know, they, um, you know, they're just overworked or they're tired and they, maybe we can't modify things, you know, maybe it's not reasonable for them to take more breaks because of what they're doing. You know, maybe they're working Bruce power and they're working a hundred night shifts in a row or some Mm -hmm. crazy, you know, thing. And it's like, that's not modifiable. Okay. Then, Perhaps that person will benefit from, you know, a treatment or, you know, a therapy that I'm doing to them, whether it's adjusting or whether it's soft tissue work or whether it's acupuncture, maybe me seeing them once every three weeks or once every month um, helps them feel better, more consistently than, you know. Then absolutely, I'm happy to see that person ongoing or on an as-needed basis. Mm -hmm. But it's not that you have to come, and I would never be like, okay, well, you're going to give me, you know, three thousand dollars right now, and you're locked into three times a week for you know the rest of the year. See you later. Mm -hmm. It starts to you start to lose, you start to lose the interaction, and it becomes a little bit too routine, and you're going to miss things. And people shouldn't, for the most part, feel like they're locked into something like that. And now there is cases where it's like, okay, if I know, you know, this is an ongoing thing or this person has a progressive something, you know, not something where I fell and I hurt my leg and now we're going to rehab it, you know, like they have, you know, they've had, you know, uh, some sort of, uh, some sort of medical condition or some sort of injury in the past where, okay, you know, like they frequently have this pain or discomfort with their lifestyle cool. I'll, you know, on, on their terms, if we've decided that it's appropriate for them, we'll see them ongoing. And, you know, those are often people I have great relationships with. They're, they're happy to come and I'm not forcing people to come, you know, they should want to come because they see the value of it. On the other side of things, you know, let's say somebody with, let's, you know, say somebody with back pain, we come in, we, you know, initially I'm very often, as you know, I might see somebody more frequently in the short term, especially if let's say it's an acute injury, or it's like a really chronic injury where it's like, um, actually, sorry, I should back up an acute injury actually very often in that acute stage, we might treat once or twice, but I'm going to give them recommendation because when it's really, really hot, you know, like if you like, you, you know, sprain your ankle really bad to treat it super hardcore in the first three days, you might not get a whole lot extra, mm-hmm especially if, you know, people have like finite, like, you know, financial resources. as well. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm sure I could help, you know, have some sort of benefit seeing you twice a day for first five days after an injury. Is that reasonable? Probably yeah. not. And you're probably going to get 90% of, if not more benefit with these recommendations, these one or two movements, and maybe this treatment, you know, do this for a week. We'll see it again. And then maybe we start dosing the treatment. And in that case, maybe we'll dose it a couple short term to get things rolling and as somebody gets better we lay off the treatment and at a certain point I'm wanting especially if it's an injury I want that person to take you know not only the, the things that we've done together but also like I'm usually teaching as we go so like I'm usually teaching them how do you take care of this long term because yeah. I want people living on their own I want them moving away from the clinic room and not relying on a treatment by me to get results all the time. I want them to have mm-hmm. some sort of say in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are many cool. people I will I will see, you know, religiously once a month or three weeks or, you know, in some cases two weeks. Um, but most of my people are, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out with what comes up. Um, you know, and then at a point where they're good, it's hey, go off, do this. This is your plan moving forwards. If you need me, get in touch. Yeah. Um, and they very often do because they like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it happens in, in, in our field too. Like mm-hmm. you get this sort of preventative proactive, you know, bordering on wellness seeking, uh, sure. which is, which I, I actually struggle with. Um, you know, it's easier to work with a problem, you know, than it's yeah. just like, Hey, wellness seeking, but you get you guys, you have some objective measures with movement assessment and stuff like that. Right. Sure. So um, and then, oh, yeah, hey, we I mean,
1: go down a whole rabbit hole on this one. Yeah, I
0: know, and and I think right. uh, we might have to another time. Sure,
1: and yeah, on that, it's, Did I just suck you into another one. I, hey, if you want me it's part three, I'm recorded. down to part three. I'll start. To, <laughs> you got me on camera, right? I'll I'll uh, we'll start writing about that one. So yeah, so you know what that one we can stick a pin in for. Uh, you know the um, what does it look like versus what is it doing? You know, you don't necessarily have to look a certain way to have function. And there's kind of two edges, you know, to that sort. It's like sometimes the movement doesn't matter, but sometimes it does. And yeah. sometimes the orthopedic, you know, x-ray doesn't matter. And sometimes it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. A little yeah, theme we there. But yeah. Curvatures. I mean, if curvatures we, if we get, we'll talk about curvatures, yeah. maybe. Sure. And yeah, okay. you know, back to that wellness. Like, yeah, if you have a problem, you have a problem. But, you know, if we're talking about wellness, what do you go back to is those pillars, right? You look at those people, you look at their movement, sleep, their hydration, their nutrition, their, you know, and their stress levels. And you, you, you pick for, you know, you, if somebody comes and goes, Hey, teach me how to be well, you ask them questions on all of those. You look for things that maybe they could be better at, or they could be more efficient with, and then you, you encourage them. Yeah. With that. Cool.
0: Right on. I like it. Sweet. Nick, thanks again
1: for, uh, me up.
0: And a few other people
1: too. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks. For, thanks for having me on. It's always a fun time. Dude. Okay. Take care. All right. Yeah. Take care. See you later.